0: You're listening to the Choose to Be podcast with hosts Alana Gordon and Amy Wolsey. As you join us each week, we will provide you with tools, resources, and knowledge to help you navigate your healing journey. Choose recovery, choose healing, choose you.
1: Welcome to the Choose to Be podcast. Hello, everyone. Hello, Luke. Welcome back and thanks for joining us. This is part four of our series on the therapeutic separations. And we are going to talk today about the reintegration process, what that looks like, and what it maybe doesn't look like. Remember the goals that we talked about in last episode, where each couple needs to be very specific about what those reintegration goals are. And then the importance of, cannot stress this enough, sticking to those. But First, Alana, have you had any feedback from the last few episodes that we've done so far?
0: Yes, I have had some feedback. It's been interesting because I've had a few people, especially when we were first starting this, of like, I need information on separation. I feel like it has to go this way. What's been really interesting, and I want to highlight this, is a lot of the partners tell me... I don't want this. I don't want to do a separation. I don't want to be further apart from him. I don't want any more distance. I want nothing more than for us to come together. But what we're doing right now isn't working. And so I don't feel like I have any other options. And when I really go internal, I know in my heart of hearts, this is what I need. But I don't want this. And so I just want to highlight that piece really quick. For those who are listening, who is a partner who has betrayed their spouse. And sometimes it feels like, well, she's doing this to punish me or they're doing this because they're just mad at me. And that's not the case. It's not just a screw you, you hurt me, go away. Usually there is this deep sadness and pain and aching and longing of, I don't want this, but I can't heal the way it is right now. And I just, I remember when I went through this, Having those feelings of knowing that I could not even think straight within Luke's presence, but also not wanting him to go away that attachment ambivalence. So, that is one piece that I've been hearing as people have been talking about separations lately. And then the other feedback of that is this is really helpful and it's so hard to focus on what I'm supposed to be doing because my brain just wants to say all the things I need him to be doing. So the fact that the, they're able to recognize that and own that, good job. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. normal brains, normal experience, it is so much harder to pull it back of what am I going to do during this period? So that's what I'm seeing and hearing.
2: Can I, I love ask it. a question? From For those of you who haven't listened to this podcast a lot, do you... Are those the actual words that the person who's been betrayed say to you along and Amy?
0: That I don't want more distance? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that what you hear, Amy?
1: Yes. Attached to fear with that distance. Even though they might know that it's what they need, they don't want it because of the fear that it might, well, they'll lose control that they think they have and then fear of where it might lead. So that's why I like this whole four-part series of really walking through what the whole experience can look like. But uh, yeah, it's attached to a lot of fear.
0: Well, in the ultimate goal in the majority of women I work with is I want to be emotionally close and connected and feel safe with my partner. Yeah. Like I want to be closer. I want this greater level of intimacy. And so when we do a therapeutic separation, then a lot of times it can be like, it feels like we're going in the opposite direction. We're not, we're actually creating this distance. So we are able to come back together, but that sometimes can feel counterintuitive or doesn't feel logical, especially when, like you said, Amy, we throw in all of those fears that are coming in.
2: And I bring it up just because I'm wanting the, I'm wanting the person that did the betraying to hear y'all like say, because in the moment, what it does is it feels like she hates me. Like she doesn't, I mean, this is, the, this is the beginning of the end, right? This is just her building the courage up enough to be able to leave. She doesn't quite have it yet. So this is just the final straw. And that's so problematic. With all they can hear is just the anger.
0: Why? Tell me what you mean, Luke, when you say it's so problematic.
2: Because he's has an opportunity to... Every time she pushes or what he feels like pushes her away, he has an opportunity to be consistent, grounded in himself rather than needing her to be reassuring. So when he views it as the least reassuring she can possibly be, which is, hey, I need you to leave. And he stays consistent and says, okay, what do you need? Okay, you need some space for me. You need some, whatever it is. I think this is what you're saying. Okay, I'll do that. You know, I'll do that. It scares me. Maybe he says that, maybe he doesn't. That scares me, but I'll give you what you need. And that's a consistency where he feels like he's helping her put the last nails in the coffin. But it's absolutely what he's doing to help the healing of the relationship. Because the separation isn't about the end of the relationship. It's about a needed peace and the relationship healing, which is something can't happen when they're together. So it needs to happen when they're apart.
1: I like that you said that and it, your answer might be the same, but. Another thing that I hear a lot of is the woman's feeling, she's still highly activated, right? The the partner's still highly activated, can't find any of that grounding and that centeredness. He might be doing all of the things on the checklist and looking like he's like showing up. And it's really confusing when she's like, okay, but he's doing all the things and says that he's doing all the things and he's not acting out, but she's highly activated still can't find peace, can't find emotional regulation. We need separation to help her get that because she's being activated by him still. I would love to know what you tell the betrayer, how to handle that when you might be doing the things and she's still highly activated.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because sometimes I'm successful, sometimes I'm not in them hearing me um, or sometimes they're successful hearing me and not, but it's the same message. Which is kind of like what you said, Amy, it's the same thing, which is she is working on fight, flight, and freeze right now. Like you are the, you are, but she sees you. She doesn't like you. And when you're away from her, it's like, I want him near me. So that is torture for her. So the way that she can get centered is to not have you there for consistently. So will you be able to support her in what she needs? Or are you going to make this about you and what's scaring you? And then there's a lot of validation that I do because I can remember from my days of thinking that it was all over, thinking that, but it wasn't even close to that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because kind of what's going through my mind is everyone's experience is going to be just a little bit different. And so your reasons for separation, how you're responding in the middle of a separation, it's all going to look different I have my partner who's betrayed sometimes show up with a lot of anger around a separation. And sometimes I have them show up with a lot of empathy. Sometimes I show have them show up as a massive victim. Sometimes I have them show up like they, we all have our different stuff that's going to play into this of how we are showing up, which kind of going back of why it's so incredibly important that we're each looking at ourselves of what do I want to do and how do I want to show up? But the reason I really want to highlight again, and I know I've said this in past episodes, but highlight again, the importance of working with a professional is when you have somebody who can help guide you. Like, yes, there is this period of needing to pull back so we can get grounded. But I really like my couples to be able to have some bridges or some touch points of how we can come back together in safe ways So we are working back towards this goal of reintegration. Now, I'm just going to say this. Not every couple will reintegrate. Not every couple will come back together, which we need to dive into and talk about a little bit. But there isn't isn't always a reunification and coming back together. Sometimes there isn't the work being done. And sometimes there is too much damage that the relationship can't repair. So I'm not going to pretend that that's not a possibility. But as we are making these goals and we're each working on ourselves to come back together, when you have an outsider who is this person who's helping these touch points, and also there's some accountability for both partners to show up on what they agreed for themselves and show up on what they agreed for the relationship, that's really important. And how this, again, speak from experience, when I knew that Luke and I were gonna have a couple session, That week prior, my brain was working really extra hard to make sure that I was showing up in the way I wanted to and showing up in my value system. Mm -hmm. When there was no accountability on the horizon, it was way easier for me to slip into my trauma brain and just not give two F's and do whatever my trauma brain said to do in the moment. When I knew I was going to be accountable, while I wanted to tell you, hey, fill in lots of mean stuff here. I went, okay, I'm going to have to like, this is going to be reported back to someone. How do I really want to show up? So, even having that third person can help both partners stay a little more grounded in how they do want to show up, that accountability.
2: You know, there was a, I appreciate you not bringing the absolutes into law and saying, hey, there's some of them that aren't going to make it. The damage's been too severe and help me out on this, Alon and Amy. But I do want to, Be pretty direct with the men that do put their feet in, that put their feet in, dig their feet in, dig their heels in. They they really hurt the relationship. The ones that say, this is my house. I pay the rent or I pay the mortgage. If anybody wants a separation then if you want it, you should leave. Or even just going seething resentment. That is the helping putting your down in the coffin. That is directly going to impact it. There's no promises. You can't make your situation better. You can definitely make it worse.
0: I think you can give it the ability to create an environment where it has a chance. Yeah. But sure. yes, that showing up with the seething or the anger or that victim mentality or the woe is me, none of those are going to help any type of relational healing.
2: No. And a, not at- and a lot of times the men don't want to leave because they feel motivated and empowered for change. And like, how in the world is my wife going to see this if I'm far away from her and doing so much good stuff and I'm losing the opportunity to prove to her that I'm changing?
1: Okay. Can we just talk about that? Because that is what I hear all the time from the, from the betrayer is, um, but if we aren't together, how are you going to watch me? If we aren't connecting and being in the same environment, how can you see all the work that I'm doing? Luke, can you speak to that? It's such a common That comes up a lot for me my client. Well, it's
2: interesting because it's in the patterns, right? So all, one of the things she's watching for is patterns, just some pattern changes. So if he's a guy that normally digs his heels in, him just leaving and doing it gracefully and supportive, she's seeing what she needs to see. Like that's a big deal within itself. Is it everything? No. But you know, when he he listens to her, he seeks to understand like, hey, what do you need? Uh, It comes from co-parenting. It's funny because it's not like He's invisible in these experiences, at least not that I've noticed. It's just he's not as visible as he wants to be. But she's she's got really, really good intuition. And I just, I tried to reassure the men that that intuition is going to work really well for them, assuming they're staying within their values and what their relationship supposedly values. So that can be seen from a distance.
0: Well, and the thought that's going through my head. So this topic for another podcast on another day that I've been thinking about is... Intuition versus trauma brain. And how do we sort through it? But what's coming to mind right now, as you're talking, Lucas, sometimes when there is that greater distance and they're not constantly in this fight, flight, or freeze, they are better able to tap into their intuition and tap into what is feeling safe and isn't feeling safe. So sometimes creating that distance can actually allow them even more to recognize if what is happening is those good behaviors. So Mm. sometimes being able to pull back and then being able to have the bigger picture actually allows them to see with more clarity if safety is being created or not. So if they are creating that safety and doing that consistently, then they can feel that, their partner can feel that a little better.
1: Well, Well, yeah, because the truth is, she, until she can actually sit and feel, and allow those wounds to emerge and listen to what she needs and release them then it's it's a downward demise anyways because that's not sustainable if she's just going from fight flight, freeze, fight, flight, freeze, if she's just activated, activated, activated right so to your point, Alana, it really like she has to get to that place of intuition that wise femininity which is just my favorite new word like that intuition, that vulnerability and that sensitivity and anchor into that again, then she can see truth in his behaviors. So it's really is critical.
2: So I have one and then y'all can take it out of this. It was just the wrong place at the wrong time. But the one that I've seen very problematic lately is she sees or hears that separations are, are a part of the healing journey, which they can be. But what she does is she asks for separation in a trauma response. And then when she starts to feel a little bit of safety, she'll pull him back. And then she'll have a trauma response and she'll ask him to leave. And then there will be, she'll get feeling good. And there's that back and forth, that flow. And I don't feel like that's really separation. That's not, and that's where the formal piece of it, the therapeutic separation or the planned. That's what we're talking about. And sorry if I said stuff you already did. I'm just, it's pretty it's what I'm experiencing a few times lately. And I'm like, there, there won't be any progress here if it's all emotionally based.
1: Bingo. It has to be. I think the lasting reconciliation, it requires both partners to do that individual healing with the goals that we talked about last week. And like Alana mentioned even today, with that third party to be able to hold each person accountable. And like I said in the beginning, sticking to the goals, sticking to the plan. And the boundaries yeah, I love that you brought that up.
0: Well, you think about that back and forth that okay, now you're gone for two days, okay, now you're back, now you're gone for a day, now you're back, now you're gone for three days and you're back. That's gonna make both of them feel crazy that stage one of healing from trauma is safety and stability. Yep. So how do we create an environment where we can get those elements being put into place? How do we start getting this stability? How do we start getting this emotional safety? that does not happen with that massive back and forth every single day. So I and just lot, that you brought that up.
2: And yeah. a lot of times there it's an effort sometimes for both of them to be there for the kids, but that back and forth actually makes it harder for the children. because like, I got to be there for this weekend for somebody's soccer game. And so come back for the weekend, that chaotic environment, nothing to be able to count on for the kids to be worse.
0: Well, you know, when... You, Luke, Luke, when you moved out, I can talk. (laughs) When you moved out, I remember at first it was, I need this, I need this. And I was so sad and I was so relieved. All of everything mixed together. But I remember it was a few weeks in and it was our first major holiday. And you came and you picked up the kids and you took them somewhere. And I grieved and mourned and hurt and was lonely in a way that I hadn't ever experienced yet. And it was almost scary to me how big those feelings were. And it took everything in me to not pick up the phone and beg you to come home and to fix it and to hold me. And I knew in my deeper, wiser self that I, it wasn't the time and long-term goals of our relational healing that wouldn't have actually been helpful. And also sitting in those feelings that were so big in a way that I had never experienced was scary as hell. And I think this is an important piece of just knowing and understanding that there will be, I almost think of like waves, waves of the ocean, that there will be periods of all of these feelings that escalate and wane and that are going to happen and just having a plan for that. And I think going back to this, the overarching goals of the separation, if we don't have any idea of what we're doing and why we're doing it, there was nothing, there wouldn't have been anything to ground to. In that moment for me of those huge feelings, I did have this overall goal of what I wanted and where I was headed, which allowed me to work through the feelings that were coming up. Because- where you had always been my center, and I see this in a lot of my clients, where your partner is your center and then they're not there, I didn't have a center in me. And I needed a center in me to be able to show up and get to that place of us having this healthy interdependence.
1: Yes, it's that as you're talking, I'm like, yes, this is the healthy independence that each partner needs, especially in the emotional maturity aspect and that's what you're saying Alana is being able to sit with those hard difficult wounds and emotions and letting them come up to release them rather than wanting your partner to come and fix everything that's well and and if you're hearing this and going okay
0: but at some point you have to come back together yes at there was a day that we did come back together and he had to hear all of those feelings and I had to feel safe enough to share all of them and all of that was still built in with time. It just wasn't time yet for where we were in our healing.
1: Yeah. Something you said also came up for me that I hear a lot of. They know that they need the separation. They know that's the most wise thing right now, but there's a holiday or there's an event. Let's just get through this. Let's just get through that. There will always be something. There will always always be a holiday. There will always be an event. There will always be something that you feel like you need to be there for the kids. Can you both talk to that piece too?
2: Yeah, I think we're like nodding so hard or like heads are about to fall off. <laughs> yeah, and think about it. Our brains are naturally going to find things. Even if they don't exist, they will find things because neither one of them are going to want that separation, that disconnection, right? That's, that's brutal. No matter how much either one is hurting, that's not going to be something that's just going to be like, okay, I'm good now, let's leave. And if it is, then it's pretty problematic. And this is the part that goes back to, which is, men, if you think about your wife's journey, the very first part is fight, flight, or freeze. She will never be able to progress in her journey until she is able to tackle that part and get that emotional stability. If you are causing that, find out what if you're doing that you're in control of to stop that, right? So if leaving is one of those things, so, Obviously I won't if I understand that and I can hold on to that, I'm not gonna wanna wait for Memorial Day to come, her labor day to come before we leave. I'm gonna I won't i gonna want healing for her. And that means, okay, I'm ready when you are.
1: And part of the plan that we talked about last week is what are what does that holiday look like? What does that event look like separated? And so mm. that's why you do this with someone professional to help you navigate and define together what that looks like. Yeah. So let's well, move into, oh, sorry.
0: I was just going to say in that professional, that outside perspective, they don't have all of the emotional pieces wrapped in. They're not emotionally in the middle of it. They're able to sit back with a little bit more clarity and a wise brain to help you navigate that. So that can be really a bit beneficial. And Amy, this is probably where you're headed next, but my brain is like, okay, my partners are probably like, okay, okay, okay. Get to reintegration. Like, how do we come back together? We yes. get it. We get the separation. i bring us back together. Yeah. Is that where you're headed, Amy?
1: Yes. Because I wanted <laughs> to talk about what that post reintegration agreement looks like and how important it is to have an agreement of what the next step is because- And Luke, you mentioned this when we were talking before we hit record, but a lot of men, when we come back together, then it's a check done.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So when I find out that reintegration is about to happen, if I haven't been a part of the experience and I'm coming into a man's journey partly through and he's like, okay, we're look like we're ready to go home. I'm like, oh crap. Like you're about to go home. Can we talk about a lot of things? Because I need to figure out where you're at. How emotionally grounded are you? The number one thing that I'm worried about is do you feel like you've arrived at all? Do you feel like we're close to the end of the journey? Are you excited that you get to go home? Like, why are you excited? You know, and if it's for any logical things that we would just think, I'm like, can we wipe this slate clear and figure out and let me share with you where you're actually at in your journey right now, which is if you created separation. Because of emotional instability and not being able to hold space, that means in this part of your journey, you should have really been grounded and be ready to enter into a space where you can at another level hold pain like you've never held it before. Because you guys stopped being together because you couldn't do that, because your wife is in so much pain. So when you go back, it's not like you're not gonna, she's not gonna experience more triggers. You will be a trigger coming back into that environment and how you show up. Are you ready for that? because that's really important to understand.
0: You said something to Amy and I before we hit record, and I wrote it down because I loved it. You said most men think it's a finish line. Mm -hmm. They think that making it through a separation means we're good, we've arrived. Now we can finally be a couple. Now we can finally be good. So why is that not? Why is that not the finish line? It's not fair. It should be a finish line. You're asking me?
1: Well, I want to hear what Luke says, but I also see this show up with partners too, like the betrayed, like, okay, now we can come back together. And then they go back into that, ignoring their intuition and ignoring their sense, senses and vulnerability. And so this is why I think I really like the term post reintegration agreement. I think having, again, very clear for yourself, how am I going to show up new? Because we're not going back to the old relationship. You know, we're we're creating a new one. So how am I showing up different and new? And then how am I show for myself as an independent? And then how am I showing up different and new in this relationship? And I think those have to be very clearly stated.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I think about it too when I when coming back, I had this really amazing thing where I had all the time in the world to tackle my journey, all my sobriety, right? I had My reading in the morning, followed up with some journaling. And then I had my connection with my guys at night. And during the day, maybe I had a lunch with somebody, which was honestly super triggering for Alana, because she's like, this is not cool. I'm taking care of kids and you're out there having a blast. And that was not my experience, by the way, it was good for the connection. And now I come back and the reintegration, what that looks like, because now I'm, I need to stick to my recovery. I've got to make sure that is a priority. Um, But I have to be able to handle balls. Now I'm a partner. Now I'm a teammate. And what does that look like? And if I've never experienced that before, I've never been good at that. I couldn't go bad sideways fast.
0: Well, and I think in partners who are listening to this, who are saying, okay, well, Amy is saying that I have to show up different and new, and he has to show up different and new, and the relationship is different and new, and he comes back. And the reality is we're not going to be 100% new people in the relationship. Those patterns are still going to be there. It takes years of work and therapy to really get new patterns. So I want to just take away any fantasy of the reality is we're all going to come back together and it's just instantly changed. That's, it's not reality.
1: Right. But
0: what you said, Amy, I think is really important that that's our focus is how are we breaking patterns? What patterns are we changing? Which ones need to be changed? How do I want to show up differently differently? and we should see visible effort of each person working on breaking those patterns so as each of you were talking i think all your brains are going to filter this through your own filters however you're going to filter it and if you can hear anything in this all of this requires a lot of concentrated daily work
1: yeah it's my favorite word one of my favorite words practice that's what we're just consciously trying to do is practice new behaviors so I love that you brought again the reality the tangibility to what this is really going to look like it's not a fantasy it's not magically going to be better but we definitely have to have tools and pieces that we are practicing and when and I'm going to speak to the partner right now when you do Start to get some sense of access to your parasympathetic state, that window of tolerance. And when you can live in that window of tolerance consistently over time enough to get back to that sense of self, you will feel different when he shows up practicing. And what I've noticed is that even when the addict maybe shows up in the unhealthy way, but then goes into repair and correction, she will still feel it differently than before. But it's practice repair, practice repair.
2: Yeah, repeated pattern. Uh huh. Pattern changes that are that stay consistent, but not perfect. Right? Can
1: we then really
0: quick talk about? Because Amy, what you just said there was so spot on. You said there needs to be tools and pieces that we're practicing. Can we just obviously we could list tons, and none of our brains are probably prepared to, list, to list tons, but some actual, like, what does that mean? Like, for example, somebody might need a boundary for themselves. My boundary is when I get to the place that I want to start swearing at my husband, my boundary is I am going to stop the conversation. I'm going to go get grounded. I'm going to go verbally vomit in my journal or to a safe person. And then when I'm ready to actually share with you what's coming up with me, then I'm going to re-engage. That's, that would be something that is very tangible, that is a tool that I'm practicing for me. So lots of different boundary work would be, but can either of you think of other ways? Luke, you mentioned your dailies, but other actual things of what that means and what that looks like of using those tools and pieces that you're practicing. Go for it, Luke.
2: I would say his what you're able to now see his dailies a little bit different. So you can see the consistency, how he prioritizes things. I recognize it can be mading maddening that he doesn't just step back in and just. Become the super superhero of a dad and a husband that, you know, just accomplishes everything, but you continue to watch him, put his recovery first. Like I remember one time we're in the middle of watching a family movie together and I recognize like, I'm not going to complete my dailies. If I stick the way all the way through this movie. So I left. I remember being hard on both of us, you know, but Alana was able to observe that I didn't want to leave and I was aware that I didn't want to either. And we were able to talk about it later and she was able to share those things. And then at the same time, showing up in different ways that I hadn't pattern shifts with being a teammate, definitely not a perfect teammate, but being more aware of my spouse and less selfish in my, in my experience. And yeah, just what you said, Amy, watching these men that don't run from run from their wife's triggers. You know, they don't, they, they stick, they stick around for them. And if they don't go do perfectly, they come back to them.
1: Yeah, which I think brings up for me communication. Because just that example you gave right there, Luke, like I think communicating, I really want to stay. This is important for me to connect with you. And it's important that I continue my work. And so I'm going to, choose to go do this. And I want you to know that I'm not abandoning you. I think just communicating what you're doing and why that over communication, I think can be really helpful. Even if, okay, I'm noticing, so I'm going on the betrayed side now. I'm noticing as I hear you show up and maybe like, okay, I hope this doesn't take us to a new tangent, but a lot of times I'll hear clients Watch their partner show up differently and it's kind of takes them back. It's like, wait a second, hold on. He's doing something for himself that is independent. And we talked about earlier, we're breaking these attachment wounds and old patterns of codependency. And so it might feel like a threat that he's actually going and doing his work, like for your example, getting up and leaving the movie to go do that. So you're going to communicate that. And then it's, so okay and healthy for her to communicate even, okay, I'm feeling a little triggered or I'm feeling an activation going on and feeling some panic. And here's how I'm going to handle that right now. And so I hear you saying that you're going to leave and now I'm going to go manage my emotions. Like just, I'm trying to say this really fast so we can wrap up, but like that's, I think the biggest thing right there is just continue to communicate. And if verbally isn't, we're not there, maybe yet. So, write an email about your experience. Find some way to communicate, I guess, is what I'm saying.
2: Another another marker, I'll oh, go ahead, Alana. No. Another marker can be just the emotional availability, the vulnerability that when they walk up, like I, I really enjoy it when after separation often can be another, a better type of check in at the end of the night
1: mm-hmm. where
2: men are more emotionally available than maybe they, they have before they entered into separation, not saying they're getting perfect data or they're getting to practice and they're still, there's no arrival, but they're looking to connect rather than feeling like they have to connect.
0: Yeah. You know, as each of you are talking, that has been my thought. The last 10 minutes is around these women who do feel abandoned when their partner is doing the work. And again, that Two different drives, that attachment drive of not wanting to be abandoned or be alone when they've already been so abandoned and so left alone, but then that other piece of really wanting and knowing that they need to do their work and that I hear that come up a, a lot with clients, and I want to also just note there's a difference with the guy who has to feels like he has to go to a meeting every single night of the week or even sometimes like on a weekend. I've had some guys who go to like three meetings on a Saturday. And then they almost become obsessed or addicted to this idea of recovery because that's the place where they feel good and feel validated. And they're just running after that high of feeling good and feeling validated and in a way running from the hard feelings. I just want to highlight that's different than a guy who has sat down or an individual who has sat down with their professional and they have come up with a plan together based off of their level of severity and what. That person needs. Because some people do need to go in the beginning to a meeting a night. Some people, that's not the norm. Some people need three meetings a week. Some people, one meeting a week, one with their professional, and then one with a sponsor or multiple days with the sponsor is what they need. It's going to look different. But knowing what that plan is, and this goes right back into everything we've been talking about with this coming back to, together, this reintegration is having this plan of what this looks like, because we can go extreme on either end. Yeah. And we are often not always a good judge for what we need, especially for the person. If you've struggled with addiction, your filter of how your brain is perceiving your level of work and your level of recovery usually is always going to be a little off kilter. And I hate to say that because I know that's not a comfortable thing to hear, but I will hear lots of individuals who are like, I'm doing so much. And compared to where you were before, you were doing really good things. And I want to give you credit for that. And what you are doing and where you're at may not be exactly the level we need for where you want to go and what your goals are. So having an outside person to help you navigate and have a realistic idea of what this should look like is really important as part of post-reintegration, but also as part of just that recovery journey. I know we're at time, so we have to wrap it up. But Luke, as our guest today, any final thoughts that you want to just share with either the betrayed or the betrayer?
2: I'll just share a lot of love for people that are tackling this work that just feel like it's overwhelming and or and are having some successes. I don't think I have anything.
1: Okay, Amy, final thoughts? One step at a time. This is not something that we need to rush in any step of the process. We're wrapping up four weeks of this topic. And I think Alana, you said this at the very beginning. Take each week as we cover each topic to really think about this and apply it to you and I know that a lot of times our brains goes to the future of, oh my gosh, I had to do this, or even that, I call it the A-line, the action piece. And I really just want to encourage you all to slow it down and tell parts of the self that are freaking out about the action part. Like we don't, not doing anything right now. Let's just get clear about what I need and what the goals are and take it one step at a time. There does not need to be a rush to any of this process. And so I just want to encourage you to take a deep breath and really know that you've got this and you do know what you need. Trust yourselves. The beautiful way to wrap
0: up. I'm not going to add anything. I love that. So thank you all for hanging out with us today. Luke, thanks for joining us. And as always, we look forward to seeing you all next week.
1: Safety, stability, and support. Three absolutes to healing, and we at Choose want to provide you with the best support. To really meet you where you're at in your journey, wherever that is, head over to ChooseRecoveryServices.com and see what we're offering. We have new support groups for those who are staying in the marriage and for those who are separating or going through divorce. We have some group start dates coming up, like Believing in You to Help You Trust Yourself Again, or Leaning In, Betrayal Trauma Group, for those who are ready to start leaning back into the relationship, because there is safety and stability happening. Luke has some amazing groups to support those struggling with the compulsive behaviors. We got you, and we are here to support you in your choosing recovery, choosing to heal, and choosing you. Take care, everybody.